from the Lord, to continue along the lines of uh, last night, and one of the things that we established last night was that God was never interested in setting up a religion, but he was interested in releasing his kingdom on the earth. And that Jesus came, and that's one of the characteristics sometimes that is perhaps overlooked at times, and it's this, that Jesus is a king. He's a father, and he's our elder brother, and he's kind, and he's good, but he's a king. And if we'll see here, let's turn back to uh, what I consider base scripture for a biblical worldview, Genesis chapter 1. I'm telling you, whoever that is with a pain in your neck, the Lord's healing you. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. So what does he give man? He gives them dominion. Excuse me, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth. And he re-emphasized that point. One of the points that we made last night that is exceedingly important for us to understand as we relate to God, it's this, that you were not created to take care of yourself. You were never created to figure out how you're going to pay your bills, how you're going to do miracles, how you're going to live your purpose. You were never created to figure that stuff out. That stuff will wear you out. You were never created to worry. You were never created to fear. You were never created to have stress. None of those things ever existed in Adam. But man was also given this powerful thing called choice. Sometimes, I don't know if, if it's expressly believed, but sometimes we just think, even sometimes as charismatics and Pentecostals, we just believe like we just throw this wand at something and, and it'll work. It won't, like God, God is really powerful, but he's made this choice that he can't override your choice. God, did not, God cannot make you come here tonight. God cannot make you listen. God cannot make you pay your tithes. He, it doesn't work like that. Some people what? can you pray I do this? I can't pray that you do that. What I can pray is, and what you see from a place of prayer, that Jesus would recommit to following the purpose of God. Especially before he goes to the cross. He goes, not my will, but yours. This is not like magic. So you're not created to take care of yourself, but you got this choice. And we said God created man in his own image, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So Adam was the man that God intended as his ambassador on the earth, Adam and Eve, to rule the earth. And one of the points we made last night, that the foundation of this kingdom was a family. And that Adam and Eve, and we also said they're important there, God said to them, the first voice that they ever hear was the voice of God, and the way that they were supposed to be educated in ruling the earth was the knowledge of God. 
And the knowledge of God is not logical, it's not linear, and it's not intellectual. God is not opposed to your mind, but he did not want your intellect to define how you thought in the earth. You're going to have a lot of trouble following the, the, the voice of God if everything's linear and logical to you. And, and that's challenging sometimes for Western believers because there is such an exaltation of the mind. And there is, without even knowing it, most of us have been taught not to believe things, and unbelief is one of the biggest uh, uh, hindrances to walking out the things of God. We're taught to be skeptical, and it's not that, that we don't have discernment, but we're taught to not believe certain things. So he created man in his own image, and I want you to note that word in, in verse 26, dominion, because uh, they erred. They, they listened to, the, they, they heard the voice of God in Genesis 3, which is also a model for life. They list, even though they had dominion over something, when they gave over and listened to that voice, and what you'll learn too here is the devil is a sensory devil. God, according to Genesis 4, is a spirit God. He, I'm a spirit, and those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. The devil is a sensory devil. That's why I've never prayed for everyone. Never, 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 never walked anyone through deliverance. I go, just pray for me. I just can't help myself. I'm just giving way too much to the church. Why? Because giving is a spiritual principle. Just pray for me. I just love my neighbor so much. They curse at me every time I see him, but I love him so much. What? No. <laughs> what he wants you to do is react from the soul, get mad. Well, they dragged God to treat them the way they treat me. And the challenge is in, in the kingdom of God is that we've already been educated before we come into the kingdom, so we've got to relearn a bunch of stuff. But notice that word dominion. So Adam is the sample son or, or, or what God intended for humanity. And so since Adam misses the mark, the DNA of man is corrupted and the DNA of earth is corrupted. And a system is set up in the world called the Babylonian system. What is the Babylonian system? The Babylonian system is man's way of trying to make it in this world without God. And you see the effects of it right away in Genesis 3 because they, they look at themselves and they go, we're naked. They didn't realize they were naked. Some people think it was because there was such a glory on them that they didn't actually see their bodies. Others people think, uh, and I kind of think this baby, but I don't, I don't know. They're, we don't know for sure. But that when they looked at each other, because they're made perfectly, they're seeing through the eyes of God, and they're not thinking corruptly as we think today. But what the first thing they do is they, they immediately go, We're I mean, and this is what sin does. Sin will try and steal your dignity. Here is the steward of the earth, God's man, trying to make a fig thing to take care of him. I mean, that's embarrassing. The man has never sowed in his life. He's trying to sow some fig trees. To... <laughs> that's what sin does. It steals your dignity. I said it last night. There's nothing in hell that you want. It's 
So they, they, they missed the mark. An Old Testament uh, template is this, that God makes covenant with a man called Abraham, Abram, and what you'll see in that covenant is that he's, he's again trying to align a man to make a nation to redeem the earth. And in my opinion, he still has covenant with the nation of Israel, but he, he, he is setting the stage, he is building the platform for Jesus to come because Jesus now is the first man since the original Adam to express God's original intent. That's the beauty of Jesus, the one who speaks the universe into existence, places himself under the limits of the creation he made so you and I could, be, could live in the same place that he lived from. Everything you see in Jesus is everything that God intended for Adam. Jesus was sinless. Uh, he wanted Adam to be sinless. Jesus, we'll see it tonight, Jesus was actually educated by the voice of God. Jesus actually learned things, which is fascinating to me, while he walked on the earth. And had a God want Adam to learn? He wanted to learn things. Jesus only spoke what he heard the Father say. What was Adam? Only supposed to speak the words of God. He was supposed to, those words, when they spoke, the the universe doesn't know the difference between a, a, a mere man's word or God's word. They just know it's God's word, and I need to obey that. So Jesus comes as, and the, the difference between Adam and Jesus was this. Adam, they walk in the, I mean, God is beyond genius level. Like, he's really, really smart. No, I'm serious. Because there need, you did not need version 2.0 after you had Adam. There was no, there, there's no upgrade package available. But he actually does it in Jesus. In the garden, they, they, he walked with God. In Adam, he, excuse me, in the garden, they, they walked with God. In Jesus, he actually lives in man for the first time. And so Jesus came to reintroduce humanity to this concept of a kingdom. And you'll see here, that's why I said, note this word about dominion. Because in Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. This also demonstrates the prevailing power of the word of God. Hundreds of years before Jesus comes, those words are working and putting things in order. Your words have power. Unto us a son is given and the government, that's really important, government is defined as the rule and dominion and a system of rule. So he says, Jesus is coming with the government or the kingdom of God on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Now this is even more fascinating. Upon the throne of David and over all his kingdom... Uh, upon uh, uh, the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice. 
fascinating that Jesus is actually going to sit one day on the throne of David in Jerusalem. I don't fully understand all that, but what I do understand is God is not unafraid to identify with weak humanity. He, he's just like, because he, he's got, I'm telling you, he's got it all taken care of. So it's like, you're like, I, I'm really messed up. He's like, I know, I help messed up people. You're like, my whole family hates me. Well, I love you. You're like, I'm depressed. I can help you with that. I'm addicted. I can help you with that. I hate my dog. I'll help you with that. I can't get a job. I'll help you with that. Any, like, any issue you got tonight, he's like, let me help you with that. So he came to bring the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God simply defined is the rule and the reign of God, the realm ruled by God. So you see the pattern that he establishes here when he establishes when we come into the kingdom of God. That when the kingdom of God is established in our hearts, that he can establish it in the world. Second way is God's way of doing things. And that's a really big deal right, right there, right there. That we need it to hit. Because a lot of people know that God's given them a new life. They don't realize, realize he's given them a new way of doing things. They don't, realize they, they, don't, they don't realize that they don't have to live broke. They don't live, realize that it's good news. They don't realize that they don't have to live depressed. They don't realize, like some people are so used to living according to the pattern of this world system, they don't know what to do if there's not drama. I remember asking the Lord, I said, I was working with people, you know, just working to get them free and stuff. I'm thinking, God, why don't you just zap them right away? Because they couldn't handle it. They're not there yet. They're just used to living dysfunctionally, so I'm taking step by step. And then I realized that's what he's doing in my life. You don't realize how ignorant you are until he tells you, until you start reading the Word. So Jesus comes to bring this kingdom message, but also model this kingdom message. Here, here's what it says in Colossians, Paul. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That is fascinating, because we emphasized also last night the concept that Adam was supposed to be God's ambassador of the earth. It's not that the earth still didn't belong to God. It's that Adam actually gave him squatter's rights. He, 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 uh, he released to Satan what really belonged to him and God. It's like somebody who owns a house. They still own the house, but they don't take care of the house. So someone just comes in, lives there, just stays there, and just messes it all up. They don't belong there, but they've taken up residence there, and they're ruling and reigning all over that place, but they never belong there. So that's why he tells them, Jesus came as the Godhead's ambassador. And, and, and see the passion of God. The passion of God is beautiful here. Because I, I understand sometimes what people say, when people say this, that you know it, it's all about Jesus. I, I know what they're trying to say because we live in a very individualistic American culture. But actually, from God's perspective, it was all about making a way so you could be right with him. Because Jesus does not come to earth for any part that benefits him. 
Like, he could have just said when he messed up, all right, we're done, just blow up the planet. To hell with the devil. That's the fascinating thing about God to me. He doesn't need anyone in this room. To believe that God needs anyone in this room is to believe that God is somehow needs something outside of himself, and he doesn't. So from God's perspective, his passion for humanity was all about the redemption of humanity. So he sends Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the same thing that God intended in Adam. When you saw Adam, you were supposed to see the face of God because he's made in the image of God. Adam messes up, don't worry, I'll send Jesus. He's going to be the face of God and the kingdom of God. And the kingdom message is the only message that Scripture records Jesus preaching and teaching. The focus of Jesus' ministry was preaching and teaching and the demonstration of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was God's original and unchanging intent. The four Gospels contain a hundred direct references to the kingdom of God. It's very interesting. John the Baptist preached the kingdom of God. And when, and when Jesus begins his public ministry, what does he do? He comes to John, a mere man and a prophet, and he goes, I'm going to be baptized by you. That's very, very interesting to me. I don't, again, I, I, I'm just throwing out something to understand. I don't fully understand, but I know this. He is saying, this is, I am putting myself under this message that you're preaching. I am signifying that I am under the authority of that kingdom myself. I'm telling you, the, the, the more I understand the beauty, you want to talk, like, people like, I can't forgive, like, look at Jesus, you'll be able to forgive. He's really humble. <laughs> the gospel writers never focus on Jesus preaching about a five-step healing model. The gospel writers never focus about Jesus teaching about prosperity. The gospel writers never focus on Jesus teaching a series on family. Why? Because the kingdom message encompasses all of that. Jesus' first and primary message was the kingdom of God. Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, and, and we know from, from, from Scripture, the first time you see something, it defines it for the rest of Scripture. It's the very first words out of his lips when he began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When he preaches on the beatitude, what does he tell us? He teaches them qualities about the kingdom of God. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, the disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When he taught them to pray, he taught them to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. When he released his disciples to go into the world and preach the message of the gospel, he said, when you, As you go, praying, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus taught his disciples about the authority he was giving them, he taught them concerning kingdom authority. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
I love the New Century uh, Version uh, translation of that. He says, he, because he's reinstituting that dominion, the, the ability to reinstitute God's order. He says, whatever you allow, I'll allow. Whatever you don't allow, I won't allow. The reason I'm emphasizing this is because even today, you can, you can go to Bible school catalogs, different seminaries, and they don't have any one class on the kingdom of God, yet it, was the, it, was the, it, was, it majored on what Jesus taught. So we've missed something. Jesus is resurrected. And from the dead, he, he died. He didn't Hollywood die. He really died. It was like, it wasn't like, like, oh, I'm going to go into the tomb, but I'm not really, like, he's dead. He died so you could live. And he comes back up, Acts 1, appearing to them, for, this is verse 3, for 40 days, and talking to them about things of the kingdom. We emphasize this tonight because when we don't when, when we don't properly understand God, we'll, we will continue to misrepresent Him. I'm not suggesting I have the whole picture tonight. I'm just suggesting that He wants us to adjust our lens, and I'm sharing out of that. It's a point we emphasized last night. Entrance into the kingdom can only rest on God's revelation of Himself. What do I mean by that? The king does not negotiate with anyone on entrance into the kingdom. And it can only rest on him saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The reason this is important is because it's, it, it's important that we understand God's perspective on how you come into the kingdom because we live in an increasing culture where people go, oh yeah, yeah, I like Jesus, like Jesus good healer, you know, I like he's a prophet, and he touched me. And they're like, I'm with Jesus. But they want to come into the kingdom and keep their demons. What do I mean by that? Like, well, I, this is very common now. I love the Lord with all my heart, but I'm going to continue to live this immoral lifestyle. That's actually a denial of the kingdom. That is, a, that is saying, I, to love God is to obey God. And it doesn't mean you got it all figured out when you come into the kingdom, but you can't come in and you stay the way you is. Because an evidence that you are in the kingdom is that there's transformation. I have a really good friend, like he's really smart, like lots of degrees, PhD, MBA. He talks to me sometimes and he's like, do you understand? I said, I understood the first two minutes. I'm lost after that. I'm a very honest person. But he grew up Catholic. He's in California, and he's in undergrad. And these guys, he thought, like these evangelicals, if you believe that Jesus stuff, you got to be, like, be really stupid. That's what he thought. And so, but they tell him the truth. They said, you know, Jesus died for your sins. You need to receive him in your heart. Get that thing going. Evangelism is not optional. When you're in love with someone, you talk about them. So he told, he told me a story. He's in his dorm room. And he's in his dorm room. And uh, the, um, 
he says to the Lord, he says, he says to God, because God's, God's way okay with people being honest with him. It's not like he doesn't know it anyway. It's not like when you confess something, he goes, wow, I didn't know they were struggling with that. I didn't see them lie. He doesn't miss anything. He's pretty sharp. But he goes, God, I want to serve you, but I don't want to be dumb. That's what he told the Lord. And he, hears, he said, I heard the voice of the Lord go, no deal. He doesn't negotiate with you. Next night he said, fine, I'll serve you with all my heart. I don't care what my life looks like. He said, deal, I'll take it. And he became born again. He doesn't negotiate. I think that we've lied to people sometimes and we're like, all you got to do is say this prayer and you're good to go. The leading scholar on the kingdom of God, George Eldon Ladd, he said, the essence of repentance is a decision which determines the quality of present life and future destiny. The basic demand of the kingdom is a response of man's will. Men must receive it. They must yield to it. The kingdom does not ask to find ourselves the righteousness that it demands. God will give us that righteousness of the kingdom. So here's some kingdom foundations that's important. Look at, uh, let's turn to Luke 17. Luke, the 17th chapter. Now when he's asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come... He answered and said to them, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for the kingdom of God is within you. So the kingdom of God, when you surrender to the Lord, and, 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 and Jesus would, would well, well, we won't touch that, but uh, the kingdom of God starts on the inside. This is completely opposed to the world system, even completely opposed to some, even to how believers relate to God. They go, let's go to God in prayer. No, he's right there. He's right there. I've lived in the South a long time now. He's right there. <laughs> so what happens is, when you convert, you're translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, but here's what happens. You don't get any lanyard that says, I'm in the kingdom of God. It starts on the inside of you. Everything you need is on the inside of you right now. It's completely opposed to the world system because the world is going out there to get their happiness. The world is going out there to get their bills paid. The world is going out there, out there, out there, and everything they react is according to the soulish mind, and they respond to every difficulty with their intellect. So it starts on the inside, and here's the beauty of it. He just, we, just, we just said it there, is that he starts on the inside of you, and your old life was so bad, so bad, like he's pretty brilliant. I just could see when they're talking about this before the world starts. You're like, listen, they're going to mess this up. Jesus, we're going to need you to come, and you're going to die. You're going to resurrect, and, 
we're going to have to do something with that old life of theirs. I got it. When you die on the cross, we'll crucify their, their old life with you. Your old life was so bad, he nailed it to the cross with Jesus. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. So he nails that whole thing to the cross. All your dysfunction, all your issues, all your hang-ups, all those demons that you had. Sometimes you've got to take a little time to get those out too. Some people get real disturbed by that. Well, how can a Christian be influenced by a demon? A Christian can have anything they want. How can a perfect man become unperfect? Makes a choice. There's nothing in hell you want. I'm a born-again believer. Love God. Fill with the Spirit. But you get these thoughts called temptations. And if you do them, you are entering demonic territory, and he never relents. Listen, he does this one. It's like, don't, don't believe that. Well, I'm just going to have this little place over here. Where, you know, get, and most of it, the time we're drawn to those things is because we haven't understood he's our sufficiency, and we haven't understood the pleasure. You know, there is a pleasure of knowing him. And so in our weakness, we look to that. And what he tried, I just uh, got this little thing over here, just got this little thing over here. And what he wants to do is he wants to hook you in, embarrass you. You got to ask yourself. I ask myself all this, put the holy fear of the Lord in me. If I do that, do I want that broadcast on a big screen at TV, at church? Now, years ago, the Lord told me, live like your life is being recorded. Because it is. And if you've made a mistake, good news is, no shame, no blame. Because here's what he did. Because it starts on the inside. He puts you into the place. God the Father puts you into the place where you can, he can always have a high opinion of you. He puts you into the very same place that he put Jesus. That's why you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you're born again, your spirit gets born again. And in that spirit, there is no deficiency and there is no like lower model. Everyone gets the perfect spirit on the inside of them, just like everyone gets the measure of faith on the inside of them. The reason I'm saying that is because we have to Anytime it's even clouded, there is nothing wrong with your spirit. A lot of times, well, my, my flesh just got in the way. No, your flesh will only do what it's been programmed to do. So you've got to reprogram. So you've been made righteous, and you've been put in a place where you're holy you're pure. You can stand before them. You could have murdered someone. You could have raped somebody. And you say, I'm sorry, God. Now, you might have some other issues to deal with because you will, you will reap what you sow. But before God, you are pure and righteous before him. 
And then there's a brilliant verse because then, then he teaches us you don't have to live out of a place called performance. The devil loves that because he's a religious spirit. And a lot of people think a religious spirit is actually the voice of God. There's a profound difference between immaturity and rebellion. Keep that in mind. Because don't let the devil beat you up and his little demons beat you up when you're still growing in certain areas of obedience. He loves that stuff. Here's the difference. That's why I say, do you want anything in hell? Rebellion is, I know this is what God has said. I know this is, this is how the life, but I'm going to choose to live over here continually. I'm going to choose to feed myself with this area of my life. Immaturity is, God, I want to serve you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. And then the next moment, you say something you shouldn't say about your boss. And because you've made that commitment, the Holy Spirit goes, you have a spirit of gossip that runs all in your family. And you've picked it up. But you also have a prophetic gift, so you have a heightened sense of discernment and all this stuff. But now you're using that incorrectly, so I'm going to have to teach you how to walk that thing out. And then you go back into work that day, and the Lord gives you a word for somebody at work. And the little demon called the religious spirit goes, oh, you're going to try and prophesy now? You've been talking about the boss and... Now, here's the other part about it. Me, not you. If you sometimes, and this is where really good, make yourself of no reputation. This is where you really grow. Like I know some believers, they go, I, you know, I, I, I asked the Lord to forgive me. Well, did you ask them to forgive you? That's part of the process. No people, they've spread gossip all over churches. They go, I asked the Lord to forgive me. You need to go to the leaders. You need to go to people and tell them that was wrong. I lied. I'm telling you, that's, that's something is solidified when the Lord, I, years, years ago, maybe like six years ago, I was praying. You know, the Lord will help you if you walk with him. He, he said to me, I want you to call this person up, like, like years before that, at least maybe 10 years at least, and I want you to repent to them because you weren't a very good roommate. I said, no, I think I was a pretty good roommate. <laughs> you didn't model me sometimes very well. And being the obedient servant of the Lord, I waited a week. <laughs> but I picked up the phone and I called them. I said, and they said, oh, it's just so good to hear you. I was just about to leave work. I hadn't talked to him in years. The Lord sets it up. I said, listen, the reason I'm calling you is you know I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and there were times that I did not model godly behavior correctly in front of you. He said, no, you were, you were one of the best roommates I had. I said, I agree with you. The Lord did not. <laughs> And the Lord's opinion is the only one that matters. Keep that in mind, though. I remember hanging up the cell phone, though, and I 
you a shift happened in my relationships. Authentic transparency unlocked and favor unlocked in my relationships like I've never known. So sometimes you've got to make those steps. It's not that you're trying to earn it, but you make it right with the people. But you hear that, oh, who are you going to do? Oh, you've been talking about the boss. Now you're going to be the prophet in the workplace? Yes, I am. Why? Because I have an advocate. His name is Jesus. And the blood of Jesus, it's like a prosecutor. Go, I, I don't normally say this. When I don't want to think about a whole lot of stuff, I read real crime books. I don't know why I'm fascinated by them. So you read these cases, but it's like the enemy is presenting a case against you, and it's the wrong person. Sometimes I tell them, I, oh yeah, I did it. I said, but I have this advocate called Jesus. And you got the wrong person because I've asked for forgiveness, so it doesn't exist in God. If you have genuinely asked God to forgive you, and the enemy brings something up, it's witchcraft. You can be delivered of all that stuff. Here's the great scripture. The apostle John, the apostle of love, he makes this great statement. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins, but then it gets better, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If there's no unrighteousness left, guess what the only thing is? You is righteous now. And forgiveness is not complete until you receive your righteousness. Don't live with that condemnation, guilt thing. Listen, I thank God I don't have any skeletons in my closet, but I tell you, I am growing in the grace of God. I, I, I go once a year. I go to inner healing prayer because you never know where the enemy could have set something. And I, wanna, I, want, I don't want to just burn for 10 years. I'm in 22 years now. I want to finish well. I have people in my life who can tell me stuff. My mom's still alive, so she doesn't mind telling me stuff. <laughs> September, my dad told me, so I said, you know what, you're right, I'm sorry, forgive me. Community. That's why you need community. So he puts you into that honored place and he begins to change you from the inside out. We, we emphasized last night that intentional relationship and the importance of that. Because what happens is when we hear him or when we walk with him, we hear his voice and that word comes to re-educate us. Look at John the 8th chapter. He also gives us purpose when we come into the kingdom of God. And that is extremely important because the seed of purpose comes on the inside of you when you get born again. Man and woman cannot find their purpose apart from the kingdom of God. And everyone in this room has a purpose. No one came to earth without a purpose. That's why he's really smart. Because your two parents 
could have never, hardly ever known each other and conceived you and called you Vita or called you, give some hippie name, but God goes, I'm choosing them. He puts inside of you purpose and he also has territory and dominion he wants to give you on the earth related to your purpose because part of your purpose is to answer the questions that the world needs answered. And it's extremely important that I have found, though, and you, you don't arrive in this, but there's a reason I believe God has given us so much instruction in the area of our identity in God because your identity system begins to define the world that you live in. What does it say in Daniel? And there was an excellent spirit on the inside of them. How do you know that you're really living in the identity that God gave you? You have an excellent spirit. I have a principle that I work with, and it's this, that if I'm looking at possibly using somebody or paying them for a project we have or something like that, I'm always asking about their worth ethic because I don't, this whole thing of people going, you know, when I really just start walking my desk, I'm really going to just go for it. I'm like, no, if you don't work hard cleaning a toilet, you never work hard when you're the pastor because that comes from the inside. So we begin to hear his voice, John 8, 28. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. I want to suggest to you, if Jesus needed to learn some things, we need to. And what he's doing is, he's re-educating you and learning for you to think from the inside out. He wants to teach you how to think from the inside out, and he wants to teach you that you're not moved by what you see, you are moved by your belief system. I think we talked about last year. They asked Jesus this fascinating question. They're like, what do we need to do to do the works of God? And he goes, here's the works of God that you believe. Again, you don't see a belief system. There's another life principle right there. That the seen realm is defined by the unseen realm. So he wants to educate you, and he wants to give you understanding, and he wants to make, make you a good steward of what you hear. Here's some biblical principles, though, when we're talking about purpose that are really simple. I don't believe it's that hard to figure out your purpose on the earth. I really don't, because he gives us certain biblical principles. Number one, you're supposed to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Number two, you're supposed to replicate the ministry of Jesus. You're supposed to pursue doing the works of God. Everyone in this room here should be prophesying. Everyone in this room should be laying hands on the sick. Everyone. He didn't, he didn't keep anyone from that. And he's given you the power to do it. When you stand before him, you can't, you can't say that American event. It's just not my gift. Oh, okay. 
We'll let you off the hook on that one. I mean, yeah, I just, I just didn't grow up in an environment like that. Will you change families? <laughs> we're, just, we're just not very expressive like that. I got a shout on the inside of me. No, he said you got a shout. It'll, you can hear your shout. You've got to confront all this cultural stuff. I just don't think I can ever do that. I said, welcome to the kingdom of God. We can't do anything without him. That makes me uncomfortable. Walking with Jesus is extremely uncomfortable most days. Because we're being delivered of dumb thinking. And we think it's right thinking. So when he says it, you're like, no, that's crazy. No, 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 this is right. <laughs> this ain't right. No, this is right. So he wants to teach us, and it's so important that we understand our destiny because he wants to tell us a lot of things about our purpose. George Washington Carver, most greatest people in history. He's the peanut man. He asked the Lord, he said, I want to know everything there is about it. He's like, I can't do that. But I'll tell you everything about the peanut. And they credit him for revolutionizing the economy of the South with all the different products and things that he created through the peanut oils and crayons and stuff. who knew you can make it spirit of wisdom and revelation and he said his shop he, he would call his shop god's little workshop so we want to be faithful to the knowledge that we receive and one of the ways we're faithful with the knowledge that we receive is the honor that we have for the Word of God. And everyone, you get into the kingdom by faith, and He gives you the measure of faith to respond to the Word of God. He, Jesus tells us, the sower sows the Word. So there's nothing deficient when God's speaking. It's always the response of the hearer that determines if that word is going to produce. And this is really important too. Because I said, the kingdom life is not one governed by intellect, reason, or anything like that. You can only understand in the kingdom of God when you have faith. So we may not fully comprehend. I don't comprehend everything that the Lord tells me. We get to work it out through relationships, through the community we're in, and we just obey what we know in the moment. But it is absolutely important that when you hear something from heaven that you go, yes, Lord, I receive that by faith. You don't understand it and have faith. You have faith that causes you to understand Look at uh, Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
Notice there, too, the evidence of things not seen. So God has everything that you need reserved in the realm of the Spirit. So he goes, the kingdom of God is not, uh, you know, the kingdom of God is in the realm of the Spirit, right? That's what he tells us in Romans. So he's got everything stored up, and what you do is you use this gift called faith and knowledge, the, the Word of God and, the, and your faith in what he's seeing grabs hold of what he said, and that is your entrance to bring it from the unseen realm into the seen realm. That's why speaking is so important. Because speaking helps you transfer it from the unseen world into the seen world. But the, but the beginning of that process is a high honor for the Word of God. Because it says this. I was just, I did a conference with some other people, and the speaker, I, he, you know, he was just saying some things. I said, God, I need to hear. God, I received that word. And when he stood, when he, when he came down from ministering that night, I grabbed his hand because I don't want to miss a moment from the word of God being missed in my life. I just grabbed him. I just said, man of God, I just received the word tonight. I didn't understand everything he said, but I had to make a prophetic act. God, I received what he just said. Because you were speaking life tonight. You were giving words of life. You were giving words of the kingdom. And I need to hear it because I'm still growing. I'm still a disciple. For by it, the elders of the, the faith, faith is the substance of the whole, for the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtain a good testimony. Here it is. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Notice it doesn't say we understand and have faith, but by faith we understand. And here's what happens. I, I said the other night, faith comes by hearing. So what I got to do often, and it's not that I'm convincing God, I'm, I'm getting my belief system upgraded constantly because I'm being delivered of all the dumb stuff I thought, so I listen to it again, 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 and I know, I know I haven't arrived, but I know my thinking is starting to change when something contrary to what he said comes out. That's the first, I was sitting with some leaders a few years ago, and they were saying what they couldn't do. Oh, who can do that? And I stood up, and I said, I'm going to do that one day! And they all looked at me, and I said, well, it's uncomfortable, but at least I know I'm growing. <laughs> and I haven't arrived, but I want a purpose in my heart. I want to do what God said. I want to do what God said. I want to think like God said. Whatever it is, struggle with fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I feel overwhelmed. I listen to the apostolic admonition. I humble myself under the mighty hand of God and I cast all my burden upon him because then he can care for me. And then five minutes later, because you're used to maybe living with that yoke of oppression, that little lie will come to you and you go, ah, oh, you know, it's going to get bad. You know, what are you going to do? And, and I cast all my burden upon him. Cast all my burden upon him because he cares for me. And I call it caught. After a while, you don't, you involuntarily think about stuff. After a while, you don't, you don't think about, you, you don't think about, oh, you know, am I going to give, but how much am I going to give? You don't think about what, what, what I'm going to do when I get sick. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray like this. And it gets lots of 
fun. It's like, oh, here's another problem and another opportunity for God. So notice that. He says, by faith, we understand that. Look at Matthew 13, and we'll land the plane here in a moment. Jesus, and I encourage you to read this in your own time. Jesus spends extensive time talking about what happens when the word is sown. We'll just pick it up in verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, that's the reason I read Hebrews 11. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't wrap their faith around it, can be entertained because he says that, right? Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. So I haven't, I haven't arrived, but I try and honor the word of God. When, when, when Pastor Chris says, you know, ask God to give you clean, I want to listen because God's speaking. Because if you're not listening to a man or woman of God and not honoring the Word of God, I'm probably not obeying it in your personal life. Parents, listen. When when you're in a service and the leader says, let's all stand to our feet, and you stand there like this, your kids are watching. Now skip a little further down. Remember, the kingdom of God is supposed to run the world. You're his representative, so he wants to give you things that no one can answer to the world. And here's what he says. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables. Without a parable, he did not speak to them, that he might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Why? Because you're supposed to have answers. And, 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 and some of it might be answers to saving a, a company, saving a region, but some of it might just be as simply as you're praying one day and you don't even know who your neighbor is and God speaks to you, go, hey, go to your neighbor. They're, they're really struggling. They need, they, need their, they need this bill paid. Fine. And you come to them and say, I'm going to do this for you. Why? Because God knows who that person is. He wants to help them. Now I want you to see something here. Look at uh, Daniel chapter 2. Then we will close. Thank you for being attentive tonight. Daniel chapter 2. We'll pick it up in verse 5. We know that Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that troubles him. The world is troubled. The world is troubled without God. And so we can't afford, we cannot afford to go through just a religious routine, come to service, and go, how oh, are we going to heaven one day, praise the Lord, and shout and scream, roll on the floor, and not affect the world around us. Too much at stake, because you're an ambassador. 
So this man is troubled, and he's in a position of power. And he tells him, I'm going to give riches to someone who can interpret what this dream is. The thing is, he doesn't tell him the dream. He's mad. I had that boss. So just tell me what you'd like. You just need to do what I am. I don't know what to do unless you tell me. So he picked this up. The king answered and said, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, its interpretation, you shall cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made ash and heap. However, if you tell me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. And therefore, let me, let me the dream and its interpretation. Look at, skip on to verse 10, because I love this. I encourage you to read this whole, read every story in Daniel. It's fascinating. The Chaldeans answered the king, I love this. There is not a man in earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It's a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no one other than you, uh, other, the, no other who can tell the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. I know a major ministry in America. Beautiful thing. They own a plane. And they're in a certain city. And they wanted a hangar one day because it's very expensive to keep this plane there. And the man in that hangar said to him one day, when he first got his plane over 25 years ago, he said to him, the preacher, what do you think? He goes, well, I'd like, to, I'd like a hangar here one day. He goes, your God's not that big. He just got his hangar this year. You don't challenge God. Only private plane in that whole airport. So now people are dying. People are dying when the church and the people of God don't do what God's asked us to do. That's not an exaggeration. And we have to stop living so reactionary. We, you know, this, this, this thing that came out in New York a few weeks, it's really bad. That's awful. But you know who? It's an indictment of the church. This is what these people have believed for years. The platform of the Democratic Party is abortion on demand till that child is born. They just made a law that verbalized it. You think I made a political statement? No. God is a God of good and evil. So also don't believe that. Well, you know, all, they're all the same. No, actually there's a difference. There's one party that believes it's okay to murder children and that demands its right to murder children and that wants to use tax money to do it. You know, we're protesting this and that. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. But it's an indictment of the people of God because we didn't put a Daniel in office. I'm thankful so many people are praying for a current president. I pray, I pray almost every morning, but I prayed for President Obama. And I pray for every president because that's what he tells us. First of all, let all men Make prayers for those who are in authority that you may live a peaceful life. 
in one of our errors, it's absolutely true that we actually cursed men because we didn't like them. I had to repent to God. I did not like President Clinton. I made a pledge because I disagreed with President Obama. But I made a pledge. I'm going to pray for him every day. Pray for his family. Pray, especially the first six months he became president. I, I just had this sense somebody's going to try and assassinate him. I want to live a peaceable life. Verse 12, for this reason the king was angry and very furious and gave a command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. Listen to this. And they sought Daniel and his companions that might kill him. Catch this. This is verse 14. This will go back around to what we talked about last night. I, this is very interesting. Verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain, who had gone out to kill the wise men. Notice there, counsel. I'm convinced. You'll see here that Daniel gets the answer, but he goes back to those guys and said, guys, let's pray. But it was Daniel. He got into agreement with those guys. It was Daniel who answered, but it came out of the context of a group effort. Kingdom of God is family. So, and notice, too, his words are measured. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he may tell the king the interpretation. Here it picks up the same concept. Daniel went into the house and made the decision known to Hannah, Mishael, Azra, and his companions that they might seek, they might seek the mercies of God from heaven concerning the secret so Daniel's companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision so Daniel blessed the God of heaven and Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and seasons and removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. I love this. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in darkness and the light dwells with him. That's why one of my biggest, biggest confessions is, Lord, thank you. Spirit of truth. You didn't just say you guide me into all truth. So guide me into all truth. Some truth. You said all truth. So guide me into all truth today. Verse 27. Then Daniel answered in the presence of the king, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, astrologers, and soothsayers cannot declare to the king. I love this. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. It's like Joseph when he stands before Pharaoh. You see this a number of times in the Old Testament. He stands before Pharaoh and he goes, hey, I heard that you interpret dreams. I love this. He goes, no, only God interprets dreams. And then he interprets his dream. What is it? He's the voice of God to Pharaoh. Daniel becomes the voice of God to Nebuchadnezzar. But he's always putting God first. He's going, only God can give me understanding like this. I know this is not an exaggeration. Every penny I've ever earned, God has given to me. Every book I've ever written, God has given it to me. Everything I've ever... You, you, they go, oh, that's, that's pretty amazing what you said. I said, you should have heard when God told me.
I won't read the rest of the story, but just for the sake of time. Uh, what's fascinating to me, and you'll see this, you'll, again, you'll see this a number of times in the Old Testament, and you see it with Pharaoh, with Joseph, kind of similar type of scenarios there. This evil man, who's a pagan, when he hears the interpretation, he goes, he knows it's God. It's amazing that an unbeliever can discern the voice of God when it's God. Pharaoh was like, you're God. What you just said is true. He didn't go, well, let me go back and, and talk it over with the guys. I think, you know, some of that resonates with me. He was on point. That's Old Testament, though. Here's the final thought on that. Our prosperity is connected to answering the world's problems. I'll finish, yeah, we'll finish this. Verse 46 of chapter 2. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel. And he, why? Because he's become the voice of God. He's saying, This man is God's representative. And I don't know how to bow before God, but I can bow before God's servant. You know, it's interesting. God is not unafraid of exalting and promoting people. He just doesn't want you to do it in your own strength. Another key part of the kingdom. He's your source. You can't change the world if you're still going to it to get your needs met. You see this played out in the book of Daniel. They come to him like, and, and he's in the marketplace and he's an intercessor. Prays three times a day. They're like, if you do that again, we're throwing you in the fire. They're like, there's no question what we need to do here. If we die, we die, but we believe our God will save us. These are people not bound by their position. These are people who are not defined by that. You see this with David. Let's finish it off here. The king answered, said, Truly your God is the God of God, the Lord of kings, the revealer of secrets, since you reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him great many gifts. And he made him ruler over a whole province and the chief administrator of all the wise men of Daniel. And Daniel also uh, petitioned the king, and he said, Shadrach, what did he do? He brought the boys with him. Meshach, your favor is supposed to unlock doors for other people. Someone secure in the identity will constantly do that. Let me help you with that. Let me help you with that. Let me help you with that. Over the affairs of the province, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. The kingdom functions on the inside out. You're not without lack. Everything you need to prosper is yours. How do you operate in this world? By faith of God and the blessing of God. I've learned, you don't put a pressure on people, you don't manipulate people, you put a pressure on the Word of God. 
This is what you said, God. Not moved by what I see. I will trust you all the days of my life. Receive this word tonight. Father, we do thank you tonight for the King Jesus and the kingdom of God. We declare that your kingdom reigns over all the earth. Father, we desire, we desire that you would be high and lifted up in our life. So, Father, we say yes to you again. Give us the grace to live the surrendered, submitted life of an ambassador. Give us the mind of Christ. Teach us your ways. Give us wisdom. Lord, give us grace to position ourselves to be a people who can hear the secrets of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Let the word of God come alive to us more and more. Thank you for your word. Forgive us, Lord, of unbelief. Expose unbelief. Expose it at its root, and we renounce it tonight. Just do that right where you are. Just say, I renounce any unbelief. And we agree tonight, as a body, we agree that the word of God is our delight. And we say, like the psalmist David said, create in me a clean heart. Let not just our actions, but the motives by which we do our actions be acceptable in your sight. Father, we commit tonight to make a fresh commitment to live for the audience of one. We make a fresh commitment tonight to live for eternity, all the days of our life. We thank you that even when it looks like we've lost, we always win. And we choose to trust you. And Father, tonight, by the authority you've given me, I just declare over the Father's house and over the city of Augusta that you will make it a city set on a hill, city that is not hidden. I declare that walls, even between leaders that are supposed to function and operate together in the things of God, will be broken. That racial walls, economic walls, judgments, and they're not like us, or they're this, or they're, they're crazy, or they're too religious. We break and cast off all judgment tonight in this great city, in Jesus' name. And I say that the nations will gather. The nations will gather here to worship you. I just see like a, a major gathering and like a stadium or something in this city that will be assigned to the city of a new chapter being begun in the unity among churches in this city. I see gatherings of whites and blacks and Hispanics and Asian leaders coming together for a specific purpose and for strategies being given to extend the reach of the kingdom of God in this city. And Father, tonight we also repent 
forever embracing a Republican agenda or Democratic agenda. We say that our only agenda is the spreading of the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak peace over this nation. I just see Jesus just uh, releasing this peace over this nation tonight. Hamaso kamahaya. Hamamamoshakabaya. We pray for this nation. You said righteousness exalts a nation. So let us walk out righteousness, God. Let us be an example to our neighbor. We do pray for our president, his wife, children, protection, our vice president, Vice President Pence, with the wisdom of God and the voice of witchcraft and Jezebel be silenced in the White House. Pray for Mitch McConnell, God. Give him wisdom. Guide him. Keep him. Break the power of a political spirit that has tried to so entrench this nation. We pray for Speaker Pelosi, Lord. We pray protection over her and her family. Father, may the eyes of her understanding be open to know you. But even that, Lord, we ask for corruption and corrupt leaders to be exposed and be taken out, Lord. We ask for righteous leaders, God. We ask for forgiveness where we, the people of God, have erred in this nation. We ask that you restore righteousness in this nation. And we thank you, God, that you've allowed us to be alive for this time in our nation. We thank you, Lord, for an unprecedented move of God sweeping this nation. And we ask that you would teach us how to play our role in that. Deliver us from ambition that is not rooted in you, but also teach us to dream correctly in you. Teach us to believe for above and beyond what you could ask or think. Deliver us from any lack in our thinking. Deliver us from any unbelief and teach us your ways. Amen. If you receive this word, just stand on your feet. Whoa. There's a commissioning and a marking tonight. If you want to receive that, one, two, three, move out of your seats and just come here. There's a fire of God here. Increase your presence, Holy Spirit. When you come, just come close to give people room. Aaron, just bring that down just a little bit. It's a little too loud. Just come close here, as close as you can to the front. Give everyone room. The Lord is uh, healing somebody's right knee. Just be healed in Jesus' name. Somebody's right shoulder. The Lord is healing somebody's right shoulder. Shembokaya masakabaya. Mondamasakamushakamaya. Sokamaya andarabo. Just move in here. There's plenty of room up here. Some of you like want to stay back. More, Lord.
I just see a cloud of fire just right in the middle, right here tonight. More, Lord. Part of the call of God upon my life, Mahaso Kabaya, to just go around the world laying hands upon believers, believing for a release of God's glory and power. Hamasika, deliverance is going to happen for some of you. There's a door opening for some of you. There's a fire angel here tonight. There's an angel of glory here tonight. I want you to just lift your hands. I'm telling you, right in the middle of this room, there's a cloud of fire. And just repeat this with me. Say, Father, by faith tonight, I receive everything you have for me no matter what it looks like I'll be a fool for you I make myself of no reputation to receive what you have it's from heaven tonight I receive it 